so let's go to the dark side, um, called commercial. <laughs> Sorry, Bobby. Um, but, but, but we need to be careful of Bobby being sort of almost Halloween, because he, I don't know, he comes from the light. But in any case, let me introduce uh, Dr. Robert Mulrooney. Um, he's general manager for UK and Ireland at uh, Portola Pharmaceuticals. Um, and they're looking at a biotech company, and they're looking at uh, charting a new course of treatment in serious blood-related uh, disorders. Uh, Bobby before had his own uh, boutique consultancy. Um, I'm not sure what boutique means in this case, but in any case, a boutique consultancy. Um, but I know him for a long time. Uh, working in partnership with leaders in biotech and uh, also, you know, pharma and different life sciences sector. Um, so, and a lot of that was around commercial strategy. So, uh, as I've said, Bobby is here really as a voice uh, of a commercial stakeholder, internal stakeholder. Um, he's at GSK, he's done that for uh, 11 years, um, a range of roles, but uh, the doctor in front does mean that he's a medic. Um, so, he comes from a really interesting background, uh, having worked clinically, in development, in medical affairs, and then, as I've said, you know, transitioned, so to speak. Um, but he's a great supporter of, uh, of medical affairs. Um, so you have a lot of experience, uh, Bobby, for, for a really long time. And uh, although initially it was in medical, the last number of years is really on, on the commercial side. So... In your experience, how, how has commercial expectations of medical affairs function changed over the years? Um, and what does the future look like from a commercial perspective? Thanks, thanks Donnie, for the, um, the introduction. The duration and the amount of experience that Donnie's pointed to obviously belies my very young age. Um, <laughs> um, and it, I think things have changed. When I came into medical, you know, the typical medical affairs department was one person who was an expert who went out to do a clinic in the afternoon. I did a clinic in cardiology once a week, pre-internet days, pre-email, pre-mobile phone. So when you went off to the clinic, nobody from the office was bothering you. And so you had this expert very often dealing with very simple medicines, you know, small molecules, receptor antagonists or agonists. Um, you look at what's happening today, we've got very complex medicines, functional gene cures, gene editing, DNA, RNA, and everything else. So it's become much more complex. And that single person sitting in the corner is now a massive number of people, particularly field-based people. The guy who sat in the corner very often didn't go out and meet experts, but now there's an expectation that people are out there speaking to the experts and, and, and having really deep conversations with external customers, whether they, whether they be patients or uh, HCPs and so on. <coughs> So a lot has changed, but and I'm going to give a very personal opinion, so this may not be true for everybody's organization, it may not be true for everybody that you ask in commercial, but my diagnosis, if you like, is that despite all the things that have changed, there are something, there's one big thing that hasn't, and that is that I don't think medical affairs has really substantially moved from being a support function to being a true strategic entity in the, in the organization. And I think there's a lot of conversation about this. You see, you know, there's a lot of people talking about medical affairs 2.0. But a lot of that conversation gets caught up in technologies and, and tactics, if you like. And I think the big shift that's needed is to move into being truly, truly strategic. And in my view, you know, people in medical affairs 
should be the ones that really inform and help to drive the, both the development of the strategy and the execution of the strategy. The reason I say that is, I mean, symptomatically, what I see is that very often medical affairs departments are overburdened. So I've worked with people who say, well, we can't do that because we've got to write SOPs and we're doing audits and we're writing compliance documents and we're doing approval of medical you know, pieces and marketing pieces and so on. And so there's sort of a, we're, we're too busy to think strategically. There's, I think, a sort of a, sometimes a fear or maybe just an unwillingness to say, well, I can step in and do some of this or lean in and do some of this. And people are afraid to cross to that dark side that Danny's talked about. And it's not that dark, actually. The water is warm. Come on over, you know. But it, and I, I, and I, would just, I just think that there is a sort of a, ooh, you know, we don't want to get too close to medical or to commercial. It's a bit dirty over there. We're medical. We're different. Sometimes people come from academia, and I think they still think they're in academia. So whether it's fear or unwillingness, there's a, there's a sort of a lack of internal engagement, I think. And the other thing, I think, is a fear to go out and properly engage externally. You know, medical should be out there. And I don't mean just the MSLs. I mean the people who are the medical director for the country or the medical director for the region, all, all the way through the medical team, get out there two days a week and speak to patients and speak to payers and speak to HCPs and so on. And I think critically, and this is probably the simplest bit of it to understand or fix, is that there's often a failure to understand what the organization is trying to achieve. What, you know, what is the organizational strategy? What is the medicine strategy? Iris spoke about it. What is the brand strategy for a given medicine? And what's the difference between strategy and tactics? And really understanding that is not that difficult. And people in medical are very bright, and they should be able to understand these things. But I think very often they don't engage with that language, speak the language, understand the difference between positioning, for example, and messaging understand what represents sustainable differentiation versus just evidence that we're spewing out, which might not be strategic or generate real value in the long run. So for me, I think it, you know, that's my diagnosis is that failure to step up to being a strategic entity. And it's a, a relatively simple fix, but it starts with a mindset shift and it starts with a leadership shift. Flip the switch, make the decision that you're going to be that strategic leader but then you have to live with that decision every single day. So you can't decide you're going to do it today, but by Thursday, you've switched the thing off again. You've got to keep going back to it and going back to it. Collaboration is key. You need to trust and engage with your commercial partners and go and show them that you're really open to what they're trying to achieve, what, understand what they are trying to achieve. Seek first to understand. And learn the language. Learn the language of brand strategy. Learn the language of marketing. And if you speak the same language, your partnership is more likely to be impactful and, and, and productive. And as I said, get out there and speak to customers and generate rich, deep insight. It's my personal belief that medical should own the insight about medicines and about what patients want, because medical is the best place to have the rich, deep conversations about those things. And bring that back into the organization. As Iris said, make it actionable. Turn it into strategy. Develop the strategy on the back of medical-led insight. And that is really, really critical. And then make sure that the tactical plans that you are generating are aligned to the brand strategy, the organizational strategy, and deliver on the tactics. And finally, very controversially, I know, but it's not that difficult to demonstrate to others the value that you're creating if you're creating true value. You don't need to get bogged down in KPIs and measures. Like who in the room last asked their significant other to demonstrate the value of their um, 
otherness in the relationship that they sit in. <laughs> I woke up this morning, I asked my wife, are the KPIs in our relationship last night? You, know, you don't need to. <laughs> if you're working with partners that you truly trust and understand, they, and they trust that you're in it with them, then that will be obvious. But tell them about it and share and talk. Collaborate. That, for me, would be the simple recipe to make that shift. But it's, it's one we've been talking about for a long time, and I think... That's why we're having some of this conversation. Good. Thank you very much, Bobby. So, so I'm interested um, to maybe explore a comment you made, Bobby, about um, you know, this notion of being a service um, sort of support function and moving into a strategic partner and that we're not particularly doing well. And, I, and I'm wondering, um, Iris, if I may put you on the spot, how you would react to that rather provocative statement from a commercial colleague. Um, yeah, I think um, I would start with building on what Robert just said, and, and it's, uh, if, I, if I may, coming back to um, the insights topic and the basic deliverables of medical affairs. And it's not insights only, it's evidence and, and, and all of that. But the insights is, for me, a very good illustration because I sometimes feel we're having the wrong conversations because we're talking about um, how to generate more insights um, um, while we are not always clear what does it really mean, for me it's a very deep understanding of certain needs and connecting dots that have not been connected before. But what we are missing is what's for me the critical topic, how to make them actionable. And I've tried to explain it before, right? We can have a deep understanding, but if we are not able and willing to articulate what this deep understanding actually means in a business context, in an access context, whatever it may mean, we will never get to these visionary plans that we need to actually impact patients and impact our companies. And for me, this is um, uh, also response to um, uh, Robert's point. I think uh, we need to build this scientific visionary leadership that's not only delivering new pieces of information, but that helps everybody around the table, in the team, in management, to understand how to translate this then in actionable business items. And for me, that's then also a question back to Gustavo, because um, uh, I'm as passionate as you about building broad competencies in medical affairs, but how do you build this visionary leadership, which for me is one of the missing items and um, something where we need to be more conscious on how to build that. Otherwise, you will never get the CEOs with a medical affairs background. May I? Yes, please, Gustavo. Thanks, Irene, uh, for this uh, <coughs> exciting question. This is uh, exactly why uh, uh, we have at IFAP developed uh, this year and it will start next year, the specific module on leadership for medical affairs professionals along with Tufts University. Because we have identified this gap and we will develop the, for our online program a specific leadership module for this. Hi, um, first thanks to the panel. I think we had some great insights, a lot of different viewpoints. Um, I'd like to maybe pick up the hand grenade that uh, Robert and Gustavo sort of lobbed and maybe see if we can make some fireworks. Now, we have an example of Robert 
started off as a medic, moved over into, uh, I would say, you know, maybe dark, maybe a little bit shaded. Okay, let's say a shaded side. As long as it's not shady. And, <laughs> and done very well. And also, Gustavo, we see uh, uh, an encouragement for more medics to become CEOs or get the training um, required to uh, take up these leadership positions. My feeling, number one, first question, is do we need commercial? Huh, how's that for lobbying it back? <laughs> and number two, number two, if we assume the answer is no, i.e. we do not need commercial, then can we then account for the, let's use the word oppression, on medics within the industry that see them siloed or compartmentalized into being the service providers that, uh, Robert, you referred them to currently being and not seeing that movement forward? Two questions. Ravi, thank you very much for those uh, even more provocative questions. Um, maybe a little bit unfair, given that you're in the minority, Dr. Mulroney, um, from a commercial perspective. But yeah, you know, this is part of why we're here, is to actually ask those provocative questions and understand where we go. So I think it's a great question. I mean, you know, do we need commercial? Um, I would have to say yes, obviously. But let me, let me give you a story which kind of it just triggered for me. Um, a few years ago, I worked in a, in a well-known, very large multinational pharmaceutical company, um, which shall remain nameless, but just, let's call it GSK. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and we had, at GSK, we had a head of R&D who will remain nameless, but the head of R&D said, we're developing great science and great medicines, and these medicines will sell themselves. And guess what? The medicines didn't sell themselves. The payers wouldn't pay for them. The HCPs didn't want them. The patients weren't that interested. You know, you do need commercial, but, but I think the role of commercial does need to move as well. So my comments might be provocative about, about medical affairs and medical, but commercial needs to move as well. The com you know, commercial teams now today, from when I first started, are way more savvy about the science. You know, very often the, the marketing manager or the product manager is a PhD or an MSc, and they're highly scientific, or a pharmacist or a PharmD. You know, there's a greater expectation that they know the data, and they probably know the data better than some of the medical advisors. They know where the leverage points in the data are, the differentiating points in the data are. So, you know, uh, they can make those things then sing for payers, for HCPs, and hopefully in a, in resonate in a way that, that works for patients as well. So, so my short answer is yes, we still need commercial. And I think the, you know, my, my recent, and fairly recent experience is that, that the, the drugs won't sell themselves and organizations won't thrive if, if obviously the medicines aren't selling. So. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. 